The Tea Health Show, your medical lifestyle podcast, brought to you by The Tea Clinic. Good morning, this is the Tea Health Show. I'm Dr. Mark, and we continue our discussion on women's health issues and um, specifically mental health in women. <clears throat> so I've invited Dr. Ansi Ghos, a clinical psychologist, back into the studio. Morning, Ansi. Good morning. Um, and as always, Sister Elise and Simpiwe. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ansi, one of the, the things that I think is so overlooked, and I, I remember when I was studying, and this is going back more than 30 years, um, that mental health issues surrounding pregnancy and after pregnancy is not something that everyone know about. And definitely, at least in our day, no one knew about. No. It, it was completely foreign. Um, and here we're thinking of your normal baby blues, which is normal just after birth. But if that becomes a deeper-seated kind of uh, mental health issue, specifically depression, it's referred to as postpartum or perinatal depression syndrome. You did your PhD on, on this condition. Do you want to just touch on what it actually is? Because I don't think we understand it. Mark, I feel passionate about this topic because um, antenatal depression, that's depression during the pregnancy, postnatal depression, depression after the baby is born, is really overlooked. It's underdiagnosed and undertreated. And what we know from research now, it has a huge impact on the infant mental, on the infant mental health. Um, as a part of my studies, I did a, uh, I studied infant mental health. I also did a course in parent infant psychotherapy where we work with the baby and the mother. I did some pro bono work at the Rahima Musa Hospital, and we know that untreated depression has a huge impact. On the baby. And, you know, psychologists know that many problems stem from that early childhood. So we actually want to nip that problem in the butt. You know, we, so we want mothers to be as mentally health, healthy as possible in order to give the baby the best start as possible in the world. That's so interesting for me. Um, I'm just thinking, what impact does it have on the fetus? Yes, it has an impact on the fetus. There's very interesting research that has been done recently. You know, um, well, recently I'm talking about the last 20, 20 years, more or less. Mm -hmm. It was used to seen as an old woman's tale. You know, yeah. that what happens with the mother has an impact on the baby. But it's true. I mean, there's fascinating research of a pregnant mother just thinking about smoking a cigarette and the heartbeat of the infant, um, you know, is, is faster. Sure. And see, can this sure. be related to the neurotransmitters? Um, you know, if, if we think about people with addiction um, or substance use, not even abuse, substance use, and this can include things like coffee and sugar, which spikes dopamine levels in the brain, 
Now, dopamine neurotransmitter, it's actually usually works between neurons. But if we take that through to something like cortisol, mm-hmm. um, which elevates, for instance, in in stress, mm. cortisol is going to cross the, the placenta. It yes, it does. And, you know, but that's going to elicit the stress response in the baby. Yes. Um, or in the fetus, not the baby, in the fetus. Is this where the research is pointing to? Yes. Um, a, a research has shown that if a mother goes through a very traumatic incident, for instance, during pregnancy, and even if she's she has calmed down you know she has worked through the thing the little the baby's heartbeat is still faster for quite a few weeks after that incident so yes i don't want to you know let people fear and you know become very um anxious about how the impact on the baby but one has to realize that one has to know that you have to work through your uh, through your feelings, you have to talk about it. You have to create support. So it's very Im- important to realise that, unfortunately, untreated um, stress, untreated pre- um, depression, has an impact. These uh, st- studies now are showing that even at the age of sixteen, if a mother was very depressed, her child will have behaviour problems, will have. Um, mental health issues will st- will have difficulty with you know learning difficulties and autoimmune diseases and autoimmune diseases yes um, I'm not quite sure about that but I mean it makes sense we've talked about auto- the impact of uh, stress on autoimmune diseases last week so um, that is uh, I think a given that um, you know a huge um, Stress, high stress levels will have an impact not only on the mother but also on, on the, the baby. baby. Yeah. Sabiwi, you wanted to ask a question. Yes. So I'm curious to know does like how you give birth also impact, um, yes. you know, postpartum? Because yes. um, yes. I'm thinking like COVID, I'm thinking if people had to have like an emergency C section, does that also play a role? In Absolutely. Everything? There are so many factors that play a role. Um, first of all, you know, the biological changes, but then the relationship between uh, the partners. You know, uh, we know that if there's – people often think a baby is going to save our relationship and, and then it makes it worse. Sure. So that plays a role. Um, if the woman had – you know, if she doesn't have in, an, enough support – a lack of support is one of the most important predictors of postpartum depression. But then also what you're talking about in Puwi is if the mother has had a, um, a very traumatic birth experience. And people don't – there's actually now in the new DSM-5, um, and now I think they call it a traumatic birth experience. It's like a PTS. So post-traumatic Post, stress. Post-traumatic stress, but it's a yeah. traumatic birth experience which – impacts on the mother and, of course, then on the baby. And then things like, um, you know, having an ill baby or a a baby who's uh, born prematurely, all those things uh, play a role. I I think one of the things that we have to add to that group is teenage pregnancies. Oh, absolutely. Um, And poverty. Poverty, poverty, poverty. I I remember seeing 14-year-olds... in my labor ward, mm. uh, trying to give birth. Mm. And number one, they have no idea what's happening with mm. them. Um, 
they, they start with this incredible pain. They've never been prepared for, mm. for what is supposed to come. Um, and uh, during the process, they're like wild animals. They, they're scared, they're in pain, and they lash out to everything um, and everyone around them. Um, but mostly out of fear of the unknown. How does a 14-year-old or a 15-year-old, for that matter, raise a child? Um, there are so many things that I can respond to in relation with what you are saying, Mark. Um, if you just think about it's an unplanned baby. The whole life is, you know, on hold. Um, there's the lack of knowledge. There's a lack of support. Um, it's an unwanted baby and unwanted babies, you know, often also lead to um, postnatal depression. Not always. One must also remember that there's a very often during the second trimester it changes that, you know, people, uh, women start to get um, excited about having a baby, etc. So it's not, uh, uh, I don't want to get us into an all or nothing thinking, but I mean, obviously with a teenage pregnancy and we know that Poverty plays a huge role. I mean, if you have to stress about how am I going to raise this baby? Or feed it, never mind raise it. Yes, yes. And then um, what we also have in South Africa is apparently about 50% of children don't know who their father is. So there's, um, I mean, just think about this poor girl or this poor woman feeling all alone, having to go through such a huge transition because Pregnancy and having a child, there are so many things that you have to reorganize. Your identity changes. Your, uh, instead of being a child or a daughter of a mother, you become the mother of a child. And so, so you really, it's, it's, a, it's a huge milestone in, in a person's life. And also for men, you know, you know being... Um, if they take that responsibility serious, men often feel very stressed because they feel now, even in our partners, you know, where partners have dual careers, men often feel a huge pressure to provide for that baby. So mm. they also go through uh, difficulties in that sense. Ansi, can I ask a question? What is the prevalence of these kind of conditions? Let's group them as perinatal. Do, do, do we have figures? Um, there's, yeah, it's very different studies um, are not aligned in what they say. The ones that I saw it said it's one in seven. No, it's much more. Is it, it's is much it more, more prevalent? They're more prevalent, uh, um, more or less 25 to 30%. So it's one, it's, 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 it's one in four. It's, and it's under-recognized rec and under-treated still. still because, and one is, I can also understand that, is that some of the symptoms of depression is the same than, um, are the same than symptoms of um, uh, being pregnant or having a baby, lack of sleep, um, you know. Appetite, appetite changes. changes uh, and then... Uh, how you see, how you see your identity, you know, all of those things uh, play a role. How you see yourself as a mother, and also the kind of mothering that you received as a baby, all those things come into play. Um, and if you've had bad mothering, you s 
are very often afraid that you will be a bad mother yourself. And it's interesting. They've done amazing research around that. Why do children who have been abused, uh, why do parents who have been abused as children sometimes abuse their own children and other parents who have been abused as children become these wonderful parents? What's the difference? Mm-hmm. And the, the um, research has shown that if you remember the painful feelings of being abused, not what happened, but the feelings, that actually helps you to become a very good parent because then you try, you are more in tune with your, with your child and you try to give your child what you didn't receive as a child. Um, and see, before we move on to some of the causes of postpartum depression, because uh, Elise and I are familiar with one specific one and, yeah. and it relates to hormonal changes, but we'll get there. Postpartum depression or perinatal depression, depression surrounding the pregnancy and the first year after pregnancy is not unique to women. It's something that I didn't know. I, I, I saw it in my reading, but I never knew this. Do you want to just expand and yes. explain a little bit that men can also get postpartum depression. Really? Yes. Uh, d- yes. That was my that was my <laughs> reaction, yes. Simpiwe. And is it still called that is for men it's as still well? Still postpartum depression. Sure. It's it's actually it's actually quite interesting because it's it's people don't think about the father. What happens for the father? Mm. Whereas the mother starts to rethink her own mothering and the mothering that she received, the father starts to think he's, rethink his parenting. And often if there's been a difficult relationship with his own dad and sometimes even estrangement, they want to reconcile. And, 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 but then also the physical symptoms. Uh, one of the, the authors talks about um, sometimes the husband does the worrying for both so that the woman can carry on, you know, uh, being there for the baby. But uh, men also get nauseous sometimes and they even vomit. My husband did. Did he? <laughs> yes. That's amazing, Elise. Yes. So, so they, they, they actually identify in a way with, um, you know, their, their partner or sometimes they even identify unconsciously with the little baby. And especially if a woman doesn't really look after herself during pregnancy, for instance, if she smokes, mm-hmm. the, 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 the husband, the man, can feel protective of the baby and what mm. it, and he feels so helpless and powerless he can't do anything because with it happens in the woman's body and he's excluded of that kind mm, of thing doesn't but have control you know, over he doesn't it. exactly he feels powerless you also know, it's very interesting what happens for a man and then as i've said you know the um that feeling of now i have to provide i have to be responsible and yes sometimes men act out and sometimes they are very supportive. And, and what about siblings of that baby? Oh yes, of course. I mean, that is an um, uh, the 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 first baby is usually, and this is also something that people don't understand. The first baby is it really brings in a huge amount of uh, stress for both yeah. parents because it's 
uh, then we start having a three-person relationship, mm-hmm. which is much more complex than a two-person relationship. Mm-hmm. And all of us need to feel, need to be able to handle being excluded. And if you have a mother and a baby and they are very, I mean, obviously the mother is there for the baby, especially in the first year, and then the father can feel very excluded. And it's sometimes very difficult to handle those feelings. It's Well, it's actually for all of us. Feeling excluded is a painful feeling. Mm. Mm. But sometimes the other, th- uh, it happens, you know, um, that the mother feels excluded. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the father is more, you know, uh, calm with the baby and he is able to calm the baby down quicker and then the mother feels, I'm a bad mother. He's mm. a better parent. So there are so many emotional things that happen for both parents and in their relationship and how the relationship changes. So what happens with the second babies? They, they always say that there's know, a, yeah. that middle child syndrome. Yeah, it's um, is, is it different? Do, do the family dynamic change again from a three-way to a four-way? The family member always, um, another family member always brings changes. Um, it's it's usually uh, it also ha- I mean what also makes a difference <coughs> is if we think about ant- uh, um, um, postnatal depression is the baby also plays a role. Mm. Some babies are easy babies. Mm. Mm. If you've had an easy ba- first child and then you suddenly have a very demanding second child, then you can get um, postnatal depression. Where as you know the first baby was just this. Wonderful. <laughs> you got uh, sleep in the second exact, one. You're not exactly, and 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 with the, th- I often uh, joke and say my fourth child was uh, one who didn't sleep. If she was my first child, she would have been my f- my only child. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, so there are so many factors that play a role, and and also how the. Um, sorry, Mark. Just um, uh, remind me of your question again. The. Second baby. The second baby. The second baby. So (coughs) the second baby often feel envious and and that's also important. The second baby? I would have thought it's the first baby. No, no, sorry. Sorry, I mean the first baby. The first baby. Because all the attention is is now focused on the little new baby. Sorry, I mean mean the the first child. Uh, Often feel envious and it's so important to include because that's also where, you know, that second child... Of the first child needs to um, be able to handle feeling excluded, so it's it's a it's a learning process for everyone and how to, you know, manage these the changes in the family and the differences in how relationships change, and often the first child then, you know, has a cl- start be- having a closer bond with 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 the father. I, I have to ask this question. Absolutely true. So between children who have a sibling mm-hmm. and single children, who's better adapted? Because if you're an only <coughs> child, you never get that you're not the most important. You can't always be number one. Um is is a, a, a siblings better adjusted <laughs> <laughs> to to later on in life, life, or do does that happen um, 
in school for them instead yes. of preschool. Yes. Uh, there are so many individual differences and there are pros and cons to everything. Um, you know, so it's very difficult to answer that question. But I want to come back to the one thing that you said, mentioned about a middle child. People often think, okay, if there are three children, the middle one is the middle child. Say, for instance, the first one is a boy, the second one is a girl, and the third one is a boy. The the girl, the middle one, is not the middle child. She's the eldest daughter. So it's it's very complex, you know. So people have very simple <laughs> ways of. <laughs> it's not so. If we deal with people, people are complex, and it's there are so many factors that always play a role. That you know, one shouldn't just make assumptions and say things are like this or like that. Does age also play a role? So I've seen like there's some siblings that are like two years apart, and then yes. like with my sister and I, we eight years it's apart. apart. Yes. This is exactly what yes. I wanted to yes. ask because yes. I have a brother two years older than me and a sister yes. ten years younger than me. Absolutely. And you know what? She had to grow up between or amongst adults. Yes. Um, Yes, and uh, my brother was uh, when my sister went to school. I was in matric. Yes, um, so she actually grew up as an only on, child on, on her own. Yes. So if that age gap is big, Absolutely. you become an only child Absolutely. again. Absolutely. No wonder yes. she's such a brat. <laughs> <laughs> you made her a brat. <laughs> okay, Ansi. Um, Sorry, Mark, can I just interrupt? Because I know there was something else that you said which I didn't um, attend to, and that was what is uh, baby blues? Mm. And what's the difference between baby blues and postnatal depression? Mm -hmm. Baby blues is normal. About 85% of women will have baby blues between the third day and the the first 10 days. And that is just your normal, the hormonal changes and adapting to, you know, having a baby. And um, But then when there is for longer than two weeks and the, the mother's mood doesn't lift, then we start talking about depression. And then uh, just to add on to what are the contributing factors to uh, postnatal depression, if you've been depressed during pregnancy, or prior to or pregnancy. prior to pregnancy, even. exactly. Hey. Or when there's a family history of depression, one is more likely to suffer from postnatal depression. But also one other thing that is extremely important and which is so, I want to say, overlooked and it's heartbreaking, is the impact of miscarriages. Mm. When if, um, people think, well, you know, if even if it's, before three months, people think, oh, well, it's just a miscarriage or a stillbirth. You haven't had a bond with the baby. That's not true. Mm. Mothers start um, having a bond and getting attached to this baby definitely in the second trimester when the baby starts to move, if not earlier. And then she has all these fantasies mm. of how's my baby going to be? Is it going to be a boy or a girl? So or? this is around about 12 weeks. Yes. Um, you, you start feeling movement you start, around about uh, 16 weeks. Yes. And, uh, uh, and, and then she has an attachment to this baby in imagination. Mm. She bonds with that baby. And then people, um, th- there's no support, often also not of the partner, because a part, the partner often bonds after birth with the baby, mm. Mm. not 
during pregnancy. And then people don't understand the, the loss of a woman and then also the loss of her, her self-esteem, her self-image as a mother because she, I mean, it's, it's not logical, but women then often feel I'm not a good enough mother. I can't bring a baby into life. Um, there's something wrong with so me. So it's self-blame it's self and self-blaming and guilt and also when a woman has had abortion. I was going to yeah. ask that. So I hate that word. Abortion, um, you know. But for me, I I always talk about termination. If you willingly go and terminate the pregnancy, yes. it's yes. a termination. Um, an abortion is something that happens spontaneously. spontaneously. Mm. So I I I I, 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 I just yes. don't like yes. mixing the terms. Okay. Um, what happens to a woman's mind to? Do a termination. I, I think if you do a termination maybe earlier, uh, younger than 10 weeks, um, is there a difference to doing a termination, say, towards uh, 16 weeks? At least we can now legally terminate up to 16 weeks or 24. 12. Isn't it 12? I think it's a little bit longer. I think it's 16 weeks. Four Again, months. maybe four. And then afterwards, it becomes uh, a uh, um, and, and, and then after that, it's a, an abor uh, a termination because of genetic mm. conditions or uh, when there's danger to the mother. So, is there a change between early termination and in, and later termination in a woman's mind? Is it because of that bonding that happens, even if a mother decides I can't do this or I don't want to do this? Um, Mark, I'm not sure what research says. I can only talk of what I find in in my practice, and 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 it's heartbreaking for me because you know, and one can also understand that women then often with a when they do when they are pregnant and have a baby, or with, if something happens, they still blame themselves. People often think, um, women often think, yeah, it's, you know, this baby is difficult or um, it's a, a preterm um, baby and I'm being punished for the termination of a previous pregnancy, which is not obviously not true. But as human beings, we find it very difficult to deal with not knowing, not understanding. We so fear what we, we don't fear. know. Yeah. Yes, so, absolutely. so it's even it. It sounds like a paradox, but it's easier to blame myself to have a reason for why this thing is happening than to sit with not knowing why it has happened and and living with not understanding, because not knowing and not understanding leaves us with. Uncertainty, and we are not very good at dealing with uncertainty. It's something that we have to learn how to deal with uncertainty, how to live with not knowing, with not understanding, instead of blaming yourself and with the repercussions of that. I what I hear from you is opening so many ideas in my head around childhood development, mm. learning to cope with uncertainty. Mm. I, um, can you remember the first time that your parents left you at home on your own? I was never alone because we were six siblings. Mm. I, I remember to this day, the first time um, that I came home and my, my mother had to leave again 
to go and fetch my brother. I was still in, in I was about five or six. Mm. And it was the first <clears throat> time that our nanny wasn't there. And it was 10, 15 minutes. But in my mind, that is as clear as what I ate this morning for breakfast. It will always be in my mind. Mark, I'm going to stick my neck out here. Um, people don't think about the impact of what happens with a child before they can verbalize what has happened and how they feel. We have what we call feeling memories, and it's often about that we That's actually talk about the feeling. first thousand days. And some researchers says that it starts with conception, mm. the, uh, the first golden days. Others says it starts with um, with birth. But if something traumatic happens, and it might not be objectively traumatic, mm -hmm. but if if a baby experiences it as, or a, a young child experiences it as uh, traumatic, it will have an impact. And, you know, it's, it's a fashion thing nowadays, and that's why I'm saying say I'm sticking my neck out to sleep train a baby. <clears throat> so to, oh, that's for to, old to uh, to uh, self-soothing, leave self, him in a room and let him scream yes, himself to yes. sleep. And, and what do you actually teach a baby? You teach a baby that the world is not predictable, the world is not a safe place. If I have a need, I cannot rely on a parent who will come and find out, am I hungry, am I um, feeling ill, am I, um, do I have a... Do I need a nappy change or whatever? So it's extremely important to to be there. And, and, and that's also why um, uh, depression often comes into play. Because, I mean, from just worrying about yourself, you mm. have to constantly, 24-7, be there for a child, for a baby, especially who cannot... Um, help themselves. They cannot, they are dependent on a parent or an, a figure who should be there for them. And then just to get back to, you said it was about 10 to 15 minutes, one must remember a child doesn't have perception a, a of perception time. of time. So for a child, 10, 15 minutes, and especially for a baby, can feel like a lifetime. Mm. You know, if, if, if you just think about, if you're five years old, 10 to 15 minutes of a five-year, you know, five years where if you take someone who's 60 years old, what is 10 minutes for a 60-year-old? You know, so there's, there's, in that sense, the the length of time that you've lived also play a role in how you perceive time. Oh, that's very true. And see, I want to go <coughs> back to causes. Um so we know there's physical causes mm -hmm. of postpartum depression, mm -hmm. and you've touched on that. Um, it's the hormonal changes that happen mm. after pregnancy. The levels of estrogen as well as pro progesterone drop dramatically. Mm. Now, for me, who have been in obstetrics and gynecology, we saw that women, in my experience in any case, women who elect for an elective cesarean section has a higher incidence of postpartum depression. Um, 
is it something that you find as well? Um, Elise, how many inductions have you done um, or were you involved in um, for, for birth? I, I cannot, I cannot. No, I think it became more prevalent later years. But in my days when we did maternity or um, what do you call it? Maternity. Maternity. Um, all women was given a chance to go into normal labor until a certain time. <coughs> And then we will induce them, you know, if there's stress on the baby, etc., or take them for a cesarean section. I, I find emergency <coughs> cesarean sections where women do not go into um, the stages of labor. You mean elective cesareans? E elective okay. cesareans, but also in emergencies in patients with preeclampsia. Okay, yes, you're Where right. you have to go and deliver that baby. That hormonal change that they have is dramatic. If you go through your labor process, there's already hormonal changes mm. that happens, and it happens quickly. Mm. But uh, from sitting to suddenly being in theater, the uncertainty, et cetera, et cetera, we often see patients um, having postpartum depression. Or in any case, that's what I see in, in, in practice. Um, I think... Uh, there are, again, many factors to take into account. First of all, if a woman has set her mind on a natural birth and then she has to go for a, a, a C-section, it's often a very, she's very disappointed, often in herself. Yeah, again, you know, that blaming of, of self is, and, and, and that can also, and then also, you know, the, um, I mean, if the baby is in, or the mother's life um, is at stake, Obviously, that is a traumatic experience. And we must know that giving birth or being pregnant and just knowing you are going to give birth, it brings us into, it, it, it brings the whole thing of life and death very close to you. It's very stressful. It's very to stressful. Work through that. It, and and, and it is, um, I mean, it's one of the major things that we have to deal with in life is, um, is, also being also knowing that we can die but with uh, being pregnant i mean you're busy uh, growing life you're inside growing you growing a person inside growing you, a person yeah. inside you but it also brings you consciously or unconsciously many women fear that they might die you so know you're faced with your own you're mortality faced, you know what we don't I, I, as men we never think about absolutely that. you are faced with your own mortality so that's why i say there are so many factors that play a role but, I mean, what the one thing that we do know is that um, in South Africa, elective seizures are twice or three times as high as in other yes, countries. absolutely. And that there's now um, a, a research where they actually let the baby, even if they do need a C-section, they let the baby's head be delivered and stay like that before they actually pull the baby out which is more healthy for the baby. So that's, a, I think, a very interesting thing. I don't think it's happening in oh, South Africa. Okay, so hold on. Yes. Um, when they deliver, they deliver the baby's head in the uterus, not vaginally. Yes. Through the incision. Yes. Okay. I, I, I've done over a thousand cesarean sections in my life. My goodness. And believe me, if, if you do that incision, you, you don't let it 
lie. You work. I don't know how many cesarean no, sections we, we she did, assisted in. We did in. what Ansi said. We delivered the baby's head and then we cleaned the mouth, etc. Just lie the baby there for a few minutes and then... And the uh, blood loss? No, it's fine. It it's, was yeah, controlled. I, mean, it's, 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 I, I wasn't taught that but, way. But so it was in and out and done because you had 16 others to do. Yeah. But, but Mark, um, uh, I just want to say something that often people don't realize what the, um, the doctor goes through. Uh, we have a friend who was, you know, he delivered a baby and for some reason he just weighed himself before he did the delivery and he almost lost the mother and the baby mm. and afterwards he lost four Ks. He, he weighed himself afterwards because of the stress. Sure. I, yeah. I, I can tell you what it feels like to work in a maternity ICU mm. being responsible for ICU cases mm. who can die at any moment mm. or lose the baby, mm. have a high care um, ward where you are inducing <coughs> patients that <coughs> needs constant monitoring mm. and then deliver 50 normal vaginal deliveries. Yeah. And from four o'clock in the afternoon, um, Having all that responsibility, you're also doing five or six or at sometimes the most I did in one evening was 12 cesarean sections. It, it, it is the most difficult thing to do because you take responsibility for the mother, the baby and the family. Yes. And you see, I think that's one of the sad things about South Africa is that we don't have enough doctors. We don't have enough nursing staff. So... Things happens under stress okay. for and everyone. See, coming back to some of the causes, we, we know that there's hormonal changes, estro estrogen and progesterone, but there are other causes as well, um, <clears throat> physical causes. Here we're thinking of your thyroid hormone, sleep deprivation, mm -hmm. drug and alcohol misuse, never mind abuse, abuse misuse, yes. and other underlying medical conditions, things mm. like diabetes, kidney dysfunction, etc., mm. etc. Mm. But one of the most common ones is the emotional causes. Mm. Um, we've touched on it a, a little earlier that um, depression in a family member, specifically mothers, mm. um, predisposes you to postpartum depression mm. as, as a daughter yourself. Mm. Um, a recent divorce, there's so many people mm. that fall pregnant or that gets abandoned mm. Mm. Um, and, and um, have to deliver the baby. Death of a loved one, and I think we saw that mm. in COVID, um, mm. also predisposes mm. you to that. And as you said earlier, social economic factors, financial stress. Yes. How do we diagnose postpartum depression or perinatal depression? Okay. Let's put it that way. It's, there's no <coughs> difference when you are depressed, whether it's postnatal depression, antenatal depression or depression. The symptoms are the same. So, so that's, again, again that, that feeling sad, feeling abandoned, feeling lonely. Feeling irritable. Anxious. Anxious. Feeling on changes edge, in sleep, sleep, changes in diet. That's right. Losing joy. Okay. Yes. So those are all the same. It's the same. Yeah. 
decreased energy for these women? Yes, of course, de- because that's a, 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 a usual symptom that you don't have the energy. And now you have an added responsibility. And that's what makes it so difficult because you don't have the energy, but you have to interact with this baby. And this is why it's so important to have and to create a support system because what happens with a we talked last week about what happens when a person is depressed you turn inwards mm. but your baby needs you to interact with the baby the baby needs this connection uh, you know at one of, of the infant mental health conferences that I um, um, attended they had this the interaction between the mother and the baby and they put them next to each other so you see the mother's facial expression and how it's mirrored by the the baby. And if the mother is depressed, two things happen to the baby. They actually they actually with a deep postnatal depression that talks about the dead mother syndrome because the baby tries to interact with the mother and the mother is just so sad. So what happens is either the baby becomes depressed and babies can get depressed. Or the baby starts to, you know, do everything to try and get the mother's this is attention. Where you get that little hyperactive yes, children. yes, and then eventually they give up because they just cannot get this mother to connect to me. Uh, so me. sad. Eh? It's very, very sad, sure. and it has an impact on the baby. As I've said, until the age of sixteen, they did uh, in the UK. They did research where they saw that untreated, um, a serious untreated depression still have at the age of 16 an impact on those children mm. having behavior difficulties emotional difficulties learning disabilities so it's so important to recognize when depression is playing a role and that's why it's important to have a support system where people can see but i mean something is happening here mm. and mm. and to help <coughs> the mother a mother needs to be mothered in order to mother a baby. Mm-hmm. And and that's where a partner can play a huge role. The mother's mother can and and mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, can play um, a significant role. But that's why it's important to work through all of those things during pregnancy and uh, and um, just after the baby has been born. It's interesting that that's actually the best time to be in in, in therapy because your defense mechanisms are loosened you and you are faced with your whole life cycle so you are more in touch with your your inner child you think about your own mothering that you received you think about how am i uh, going to be a mother and you think about your child and this is also where it's important <coughs> that sometimes um if i think about this woman who it was a second baby that she um murdered she suffocated the baby and the difference was she was as a she had very destructive mothering herself. With her first child, it her first child was a very happy baby, and as a little three-year-old, she would bring her mother a hymn book and say, "When the mother was depressed, uh, sing for us." And so, this little young child actually took on a parent. Mm. parental at the, role, at the age of three but then when she had the second baby it was an unwanted pregnancy she had an affair with a married man she hoped that if she keeps the baby he's going to mm. divorce her uh, divorce his wife and you know oh. 
have a family with them and in the end when he abandoned her and the baby looked like the dad, sure. it was she sat with all these very... Anger. Ang- anger and very difficult feelings. But, and this is where I think it's so important, she was previously admitted for depression in a psychiatric hospital. And then... Um, you know, she stopped using her medication when she um, was pregnant. And then sometimes that's often what happens is that obviously it's more healthy for the baby if the mother is not in an antidepressant. But sometimes one has to choose the better of two, the two, bet- evils. two evils. <coughs> and then, uh, uh, and the, you know, if you do it with a, um, um, a doctor who knows their medication, they can help you to stay on the right medication that will have that will manage the depression but have the least um, impact, impact on, on, the, on the feet. Yes. Okay. And say, I want to ask this question because we're running out of time. How do we prevent this? Yes. I think, first of all, again, knowledge is power. And to if you feel you are depressed, ask for help. You're not a bad mother. You need uh, you need. You don't need to be a good mother. <laughs> Winnicott, one of the child psychologists, talks about having a good enough mother, and to you know to try just to be a good enough mother. And but to get help, to talk, talk, talk. We talked about journaling last time. Yes. Uh, Elise, you mentioned that you also <laughs> journal. <clears throat> talk about acknowledge your. Uh, um, your ambivalent feelings. It's okay to feel sometimes I don't want this baby. But uh, you if, have... Is this baby on APRO? Can I go and change yes. it? Yes. <laughs> it's okay to feel that way. In the end, your love will win. But to acknowledge your ambivalent and so-called negative feelings and to get help. To get help. Help is available. Antenatal classes... Helps. Yes, with, it does. It does. Preparing you absolutely, for the process. Absolutely. And also, sorry, I want to add something. If we know that if the partner is also involved, it makes a difference. Mm. And skin to skin contact with a baby. If a man has skin to skin contact with a baby, his testosterone levels drop and he's less aggressive. And he bonds with the baby easier and he's more supportive of the mother. So skin-to-skin contact with a baby for mother and dad is very, very important. You know what, Elise, I, I, can't, I don't know if you remember this. When I was um, uh, doing my uh, registrar as uh, obstetrician and gynecologist, we rolled out a program called Kangaroo Care. Yes, we, absolutely. We, we took the babies from the back, back yes. and we put the babies in the front. So uh, you African people carry babies on your backs. Um, I don't know. I always think they're going to develop splayed hips. (laughs) Emotionally, they are better off, I promise you. In the front. No. On the back. Well, close contact. Close contact. Close contact. So we we encouraged the mothers to to put yes. the babies in the front because they the baby could yes. rest yes. On, on on and they yes. feel the heartbeat etc cetera, etc. Cetera. So <coughs> and um, the data that came out from Kangaroo Care Absolutely. was brilliant. Absolutely, so, Mark. Um, keeping the baby in the front yes. of you. And unfortunately, 
we wish more people will do that. You know, uh, uh, especially with the preterm baby, having do kangaroo mother cares, um, baby cares, so but important. Skin to skin is skin important. to skin. Yeah. Yes. So there's something else that I think uh, we need to put out there that can help um, prevent this. Make sure that you have help so that you can rest. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know what, mm. whether it's mother or uh, aunt or mm. uh, a friend coming mm. to stay with you for the first couple of days mm. or after a couple of days, just so that you can take a bit of a yes. break and get some sleep because sleep deprivation is absolutely. is one of the, the causes. And yes. if we can at least get some good quality sleep, yes. Yes. Um, during those three or four hours that, that you do manage to mm. sleep be between mm. feeds, it's incredibly important. And see, treatment. How do we treat? Well, again, uh, exactly the same as we've mentioned last week with depression. Um, go and seek help, talk, journal, talk. Even, if, even just talking with a friend, you just need to talk about... What you are feeling, that naming the feeling is taming the feeling. Even if you say, I hate this baby, say mm. it. You know, that the feeling will diminish. But bottling the feelings up is the worst thing that you can do when you are depressed because that makes you even, you know, cycle into a, a deeper and deeper depression. Um, hormonal treatment, is that something that... Um, can help. We know that if the estrogen levels drops too too dramatically and stay low, um, it it causes depression. In the reading that I've done, I haven't uh, uh, practiced this on on any of patients, um, but there is data to support that hormone optimization with low doses of estrogen can can help these mothers. Uh, obviously, you you uh, treat underlying conditions like thyroid issues, um, cortisol that's too high, um, and some of the other hormones. But do you have any experience with hormonal treatment for these patients? I don't have any experience with that. Okay. I mean, because we work with the, you know, the emotional side. So, But I think holistic. A holistic approach, I think, is always the best for anything. You know, one has to, because of, we talked about the interconnectedness between mind and body. And obviously, you know, I think with any condition, uh, working holistically is actually the way to go. I, I think what we need to bring across uh, to women with postpartum depression is seek help, but seek medical help as well. Yes. Um, you know what? Being prescribed an antidepressant during this time can make the world of difference, not, to your, not just to your own emotional state, but to that of your baby and that of your family, your mm. close family. Mm. So, Please, you know what, there's the antidepressants um, that can be taken um, during breastfeeding mm. that, um, you know, what can, can make a very, very big Absolutely. difference Absolutely. in the outcome later mm. on. Mm. Um, 
therapy here? Are we thinking about cognitive behavioral therapy or um, what kind of therapy is it that you guys as psychologists will do with these these women and, and is it family therapy or is it one in one you know the ideal <coughs> is actually parent infant psychotherapy but it's still very new in South Africa that's actually well I've done that work with the mother and the baby simultaneously and you actually talk talk for the baby you know and you try to strengthen that bond but then obviously to deal with everything that is it's so individual what is this woman's what are the causes of the specific individual's uh, depression, and you will, you will, um, you know, talk about that. But there's only in there, there are very few um, uh, psychologists who are trained as parent infant psychotherapists in the Cape Town. There are quite a few, and also in Gauteng. But unfortunately, in the rest of our country, it's still it's still a very new in South Africa. I wish I envy the UK because they do what we call kitchen therapy. They have health practitioners going to the mothers in their houses, in the kitchen, having a cup of tea and helping them to understand their baby's cues and being attuned to the baby and understanding what is happening and giving that them that emotional support, especially with teenage mothers. That's where, you know, um, where they give them that support and it makes such a big difference. And see, thank you. I, I, I think this was so enlightening. Um, the message that I am taking away and I think that we want to impart on our listeners is that postpartum depression affects all or can affect all parents, male or female. And, and the child. It, and the, and the child. It's not... It's not only by giving birth. It can also be um, from surrogacy and even absolutely. adopting uh, absolutely. children. Yes. Um, there's no single way to be a parent. Mm. And if something like postpartum depression happens, you are not to blame. There are circumstances over which you have absolutely no control. Mm. We can be cognizant of trying to prevent this by living a healthy lifestyle, having a support structure. But if it does strike, you are not to blame and seek help. Seek help with your medical practitioner, seek help with friends and family and therapists. Um, it's not only for your own benefit, but it's for the benefit of your newborn child as well. Um, Dr. Ansi Ghaus, thank you so much for joining us for the past two weeks. Your insight and um, the way that you brought information across to us is really appreciated and it's invaluable. Um, you know, from the T Clinic side, thank you very much. If people want to get hold of you, um, is your landline number? <laughs> no, I'll have to give them my, my cell phone number. Okay, so yeah. what we'll do, I don't believe in giving mobile numbers. Yeah. Um, Dr. Ansi Ghaus, if you want to speak to her, contact us at the T-Clinic. Our number is 010-824-1393. Next week, Sister Elise and I will be back with Nikki Roberts. Mm. She's a nutritionist, and we're going to talk about nutrition 
and how it affects mental health. Until then, we wish you all the best in health. That was the Tea Health Show, empowering you with knowledge. Download all previous episodes on your favorite podcast platform. The Tea Health Show is brought to you by Tea Clinic.